How many of you have ever been a part of a team before? How many part of a team? Right? Um, I'm sure some of you noticed that, that our, our dream team, and, and I should have acknowledged our dream team during our introductions. Our dream team is everyone that serves here at King's Corner, but, but if you see someone wearing a, a sports uh, jersey today or t-shirt or hat, uh, that's because they're part of our, our dream team. And, uh, and so I wonder, I know a lot of them are gone now serving, but I wonder if, if, if any dream, dream team members that are in the room right now, I wonder if you could, you could stand and we could just acknowledge you this morning. Dream team members. Wow, look at that. All right, good job. Good job. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to ask you another question here. How many of you realize that as a child of God, that you are part of a team? I'm sure most of you are familiar with LeBron James. LeBron James. Never heard of him? I don't believe you. LeBron James, he's actually the highest uh, paid basketball player in the NBA. And actually, if you count endorsements, LeBron James was the second highest paid athlete for 2022. And uh, LeBron recently signed a contract from the Los Angeles Lakers for two years worth $85,655,532. I wonder how they, how they came up with the $32 part of it. But anyway, <laughs> but that means for 2022 and 2023 that LeBron's going to make $522,000 every game he plays or even if he doesn't play, actually. And so that actually works out to $8,700 a minute, assuming that LeBron plays every minute, which he doesn't. But that's the price that the Lakers were willing to pay for LeBron. That's what they value him at. And you know, for some of us, that seems like a fortune, doesn't it? Like, can you imagine making $8,700 a minute? Any of you? Okay. Um, and yet, that is absolutely nothing. That is peanuts compared to your contract with the kingdom of God. How many of you know that you were bought at a price too? That God paid the highest price for you. The cost was his son. But he paid that price because that's what he values you at. That's how much you cost. He signed you to an eternal contract. Your name has been signed and written in the Lamb's book of life. That means you're going to forever reap the benefits and the rewards of God's contract. But the rewards are so much greater than just money. But, but when you sign on the dotted line with God, you become a child of the Most High God. And watch this. 
everything that's his is now yours. That you are an heir and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. As a believer in Jesus, we are on a team. We are on God's team. And you were the most sought-after free agent with the highest contract signing this world has ever seen or ever will know. God wanted you so badly on his team that he paid the price for you before even offering you the contract. Knowing that you might not even sign. You might not even take it. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much he wants you on his team. You know, I've been a part of, of many teams. And I've been a part of teams that have been very successful and part of teams that have not been successful at all. And uh, one thing that I, I, I've learned in a part of being, uh, of being a part of teams is that you can have all the potential and the ability in the world and you can still be unsuccessful as a team. Did you know that? See, that's like us in the body of Christ. Individually, you're incredible. You're amazing. God has given you gifts and talents. You're, you're amazing. But as a team, as a team, we can be unstoppable. But even with all of our gifts and talents, God never intended us to be individuals. He intended for us to be on a team in unity. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about just two musts of any team. Even God's team. Two musts. That's a hard word to say. Musts. To be successful, we need these two musts. So only two points today. How about that? How about that? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for, for, for fun and laughter. Thank you that that's a part of your family. And, and thank you for your presence here. Thank you for meeting with us. And so, God, I just pray now that, that uh, we're just going to be able to hear your word and respond to your word in Jesus' name. That right now we're going to be able to come to this place and understanding of team um, that, that you have made, that, that you have in mind. That unity, unity is going to reign in this place, in our hearts, in our minds, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's the first must. We must, number one, we must be in one, be one. I already blew it. Let's try it again. We must be one in purpose and language. We must be one in purpose and language. You know, one of, one of, in my opinion, one of the most remarkable events 
that, that took place in the Bible was the Tower of Babel. How many of you are, are, are aware of that story? Some of you? So the Tower of Babel, that's when the people in this story, they wanted to build a city and a tower that goes to the heavens. They wanted to build this tower that, that was going to go high into the sky. But the problem was that their plans are selfish, they're rebellious, they didn't include God. And so God wasn't going to have any part of that. So he decided to confuse their languages so that they can't keep on this course of rebellion. But what's so remarkable about that story for me is what God said about their unity and the power of their unity. Look at Genesis chapter 11 and verse 6. God says, Behold, they are, they are one unified people, and they all have the same language. This is only the beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me, and now no evil thing they imagine they can do will be impossible for them. That's amazing. They were one in purpose and language, and because they were in complete unity, they were going to accomplish everything they set out to do. And we know that because God said they would have. Nothing was going to be impossible for them. The Living Bible says nothing will be unattainable for them. So if they wanted to reach for the stars, they would have done it. They would have grabbed hold. Listen, if we as the church stand together in unity with God, his word, his call, his purpose, we can reach for the stars. Nothing's going to be impossible for us, but everything that we set out to do, that God calls us to do, we can accomplish as a team. But first, we need to be in one purpose and one language. What is our purpose as the church, as King's Corner? What is the win? What's the win? How many of you have heard this expression before? It doesn't matter if you win or lose as long as you have fun. Anybody hear that expression before? Yeah. That's a nice, that's a nice thing to say. Can I, without, at the risk of sounding a little judgy, can I just, that's what losers say. That is not... That is not what, that's not what winners say, okay? And, and, and don't get me wrong here, okay? I mean, um, I understand that, you know, there's, you know, that, that applies, that, that phrase applies at certain levels of competition, but please understand that does not apply to the church. That does not apply to the church. Jesus never said anything like that. In fact, he said the opposite. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, and that rock, I just put in brackets for you, 
That's referring to Peter's God-given revelation and confession of who Jesus Christ really is. That on Jesus Christ, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's clearly one winner and one loser. Agreed? Jesus was in it to win it. Jesus didn't just have fun, but he had the ultimate victory on the cross. And because Jesus had the ultimate victory on the cross, every one of us believers in Jesus Christ can have victory today. Hallelujah. So we're not here just to play games. We're not here to to play church. We're not just here to have fun. We're not just here to to have a, a Christian social club. But make no mistake about it, we are here to win. You exist to win. The church is in it to win it. The ultimate win, the ultimate win for us is to to fulfill God's calling, God's purpose for our church, the church. And ultimately, Ultimately, God's call for us, ultimately, is to love him and love each other. Every call of the church, every purpose of the church, falls under loving him and loving each other. But I think we get confused with what the win is. The win is not having a church service for church people. That's not the win. That's a social club. The win is, is not just, just putting on a successful event or having a successful service. Absolutely, those are steps towards the win. But that's not the win. We can't be satisfied with just having a good old time at church. The win is not filling the chairs. The riders filled the chairs on Friday night. Did that equal a win? They, they were just playing for fun. That's enough of you, Blaine. See, see numbers I think are good, they're important. They can kind of help us measure sometimes, engage sometimes. If we're, if we're going towards the win. But how many of you know, this, this is not about having a big church. We, we already are a part of a big church. The body of Christ. Amen? How many churches are there in Regina? How many Christian churches are there in Regina? There's one. There's one. We're all part, we already, we already belong to a big church, right? But the win, listen, the win, it's reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. It's seeing people live free, live in the freedom of the cross. It's chains breaking and, and it's prison doors opening. It's seeing the hurt get healed and restored. It's seen the lost 
get saved. It's seeing someone who is absolutely hopeless finding hope for the very first time. That's a win. It's watching lives transformed by the gospel of Christ, by the love of Christ. That's the win. It's seeing our kids and our teens fall desperately in love with Jesus, worshiping God in absolute abandon. That's the wind. It's loving this world. It's touching lepers. It's taking lunches to the hungry. It's loving people the way that God loves us. It's dying to self. It's picking up our cross, and it's following him. That's the win. Are you on board with the win? Are you on board with the win? Can you get on board with that? Are you committed to the win? You know, when it comes to commitment to the win, we gotta be like the pig. First of all, how many of you are so thankful for the pig? Pork chops and bacon and ham from one magical animal. Thank you, Lord. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you had bacon and eggs this morning? Did you? That is so great for the illustration I'm about to say. Robin, you know something interesting about your breakfast is the chicken contributed to your breakfast. The pig was fully committed to your breakfast. Right? We need to be like the pig. How many of you know that God didn't contribute to the win? But God was fully committed to the win. He didn't just give a little. He didn't just sacrifice a little. But he gave us everything. He gave us his life. Hallelujah. And because God was committed to the win, he was willing to pay the price. That's how you know that you're on board with the win. That's how you know that we are one in purpose, that you're willing to pay the price for it. There was 55 dream teamers here yesterday willing to sacrifice their Saturday. You know why? Because they're committed to the win. We've got 96 members of our dream team that pay the price every Sunday because they're committed to the win, it's, it's that person that wakes up early and comes early and makes coffee so that unchurched person can come and feel comfortable and feel at ease and welcome. It's the person in the nursery that's holding that screaming baby so that their parents can be here listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the person willing to miss that message for the third straight Sunday because they believe in our children and they believe in the next generation. And so they're out there right now loving on our kids because they're committed to the win. Hallelujah. And so we need to be one in purpose and language and language. 
Ephesians chapter 4, 29 says, don't let any evil talk come out of your mouths. Say only what will help to build others up and meet their needs. Then what you say will help those who listen. That's the language that we need to speak. That's the same, we need to speak the same language. Language that builds each other up. It talks about evil talk. I'm going to give you three examples of evil talk. Okay, that, that, that's not going to be a part of King's Corner Church. Here's one of them. Stupid arguments. 2 Timothy 2.23 says, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. How many of you know that it's okay to disagree? It's okay to disagree, right? But when we, but when we know there's a disagreement and we choose to talk about something that we know is going to produce a quarrel that has nothing to do with eternity, that's a stupid argument. Are you with me? Here's another one. Gossip and slander. Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a whisperer, a gossip, are like dainty morsels to be greedily eaten. Have you ever heard the term juicy gossip? I've got something juicy for you. Right? You know why it's so juicy? You know why, why we want to eat it so badly, that gossip? It's because our flesh wants to feel important, even at the expense of other people. That's why. Really, a gossip is someone who just doesn't know who they are in Jesus Christ. They don't know their value and their importance. And so when you gossip and when you receive gossip, what you're really doing is your flesh thinks, your flesh likes to knock people down a notch. Anyone been there before? Because we think if we knock them down a notch, that means we're lifting ourselves up a notch. Trying to get our value at someone else's expense. Here's what we need to know, the truth, though. Proverbs 16, 27 to 28 says, Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. You know, here's something that we should always remember. Whomever gossips to you will certainly gossip about you. <laughs> the third one's negative criticism. Negative criticism. Can I just say, criticism's okay. Not all criticism is bad. Some criticism is quite healthy, right? Uh, Mike Duick actually talked about how there needed to be a conflict uh, in, in the Garden of Eden. That if there was a conflict in the Garden of Eden, uh, that, that maybe, uh, you know, Adam and Eve might not have gone down that path that day, <laughs> But, but when criticism comes from a place of judgment and fear, arrogance, jealousy, we know it's not good. And what we, under, what we need to understand is that as a team, listen, as a team, if we're gossiping, if we're slandering, if we're uh, criticizing, if we're engaging in stupid arguments, we are not going to know the win. We're not going to know the win. 
when I was in grade 10, I was on the basketball team at my school. It was the senior boys basketball team. And uh, we had an incredible team. Okay, and I'm not just saying that. Okay, but let me, let me tell you our starting lineup. Okay, our point guard was six foot two inches tall. Okay, our shooting guard was six foot two inches tall. Our small forward was six foot four inches tall. Our power forward was six foot five inches tall. And our starting center was seven feet tall. We were easily the best team in Saskatchewan. And if there was national rankings, we would have been in the top 10 in Canada. That's how good that team was. I myself was on the bench. I did not make that team better. (laughs) And we rolled through the league and we rolled through the playoffs and the city championships were not a problem. And we got to the provincial championships. And that team lost. And it was not because the other team was better than us. But it's because on that team, the only way people talked to each other on that team was through mean-spirited joking. And so we had zero unity. We had all the potential in the world. But we couldn't win because of the way we talked to each other. And when you're in battle, you need someone there to pick you up when you fall down. And we had no one to pick each other up in that final game when things started to go wrong. It cost us the win. And so we need to be intentional. We need to be careful with our words. We need to speak the same language. And just like the song that we sang this morning, we need to speak Jesus. We need to speak Jesus in here and out there. We need to speak Jesus. James 3.5 says, In the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. You know the common cause of forest fires is carelessness. It's carelessness. We can't be careless in this team with our words. Do you know men speak an average of 7 million words a year? Do you think women's words are higher or lower? Women speak an average of 11 million words a year. But according to that scripture, it just takes one word, one, to start a forest fire. We can't be careless. Amen? Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I wonder if we need to have that up somewhere in this church. What do you think? I think so too, Rogan. 
So number one, we need to be one in purpose and language. Number two is we must be about we and not about me. We must be about we and not about me. How many of you know there's power in we? You know, this absolutely amazes me. When Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, what was the first word that he taught them? Our. Our Father. Even for someone that is praying individually, teaching an individual how to pray, Jesus said you need to pray our. He wants us to pray our. He wants us to have a team mentality. Because how many of you know there is power in we? It's the our of power. Oh, you are. The hour of power. And then in the garden before Jesus was arrested, he prayed for us. He interceded for us as a church. He stood in the gap for us. And in John 17, he says, Father, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I, just as you are in me and I am in you. I want them also to be in us. Then the world will believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. I did this so they would be one, just as we are one. I'll be in them just as you are in me. This is so they may be brought together perfectly as one. Then the world will know that you sent me. It will also show the world that you have loved those you gave me just as you have loved me. See, Jesus knows the power of we because Jesus is not alone. But Jesus is one with God the Father. So he knows the power of we. And he calls us to that same unity. And what is he saying happens when we are in unity when we are as one. What does he say happens? We're going to achieve the win. The Lord will know Jesus. The Lord will believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The world will see the love of God in Jesus Christ. When we are one, this world will be one. W-O-N. Amen? Our ability to win is in the power of we. Look at Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life, forevermore. Here's what I want you to get from that scripture. Where there's unity, there's oil. Where there's unity, there's oil. See, oil in the Bible often represents the Holy Spirit and the anointing, the power of God, the bondage-breaking, yoke-destroying power of God, that power of God. Aaron says Aaron's beard, the oil's pouring on his head and 
And it's Aaron's beard. Aaron's the high priest. He represents the body of Christ. He represents the church. Unity attracts the anointing. When we're in unity, God's going to pour out his power, pour out his anointing on his people. And it doesn't just stop at the head. It's not just about, you know, big wigs and leadership. It's, it's everyone in the body of Christ is going to experience the anointing, his power. It runs down the whole body. It's available for every believer that walks in unity. That is the power of we. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Everyone say, with one accord. See, accord means they're together in harmony, in agreement, the same purpose. And we know they started to speak the same language that day, didn't they? <laughs> and look at verse 2 to 4. And then suddenly came a sound from heaven as a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many of you are ready for a rushing wind in this place? How many of you are ready for the fire of God to start pouring into your life? Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. I, I, I just love this. The first time I noticed this was last year. Acts chapter 2, 14. And then, and then Peter stood up with the 11. We always talk about Peter preaching to the crowd, right, on the day of Pentecost. And how many people came to know Jesus that day, or at least the minimum amount? 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. But we need to understand Peter was not standing alone. That Peter stood up with the 11. And when he stood up with the church, with his brothers in Christ, that's when the anointing of God fell. That's why 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. Hallelujah. It was the power of we. And listen, if it's not, sorry, if it's about we, then it's not about me. The heart's cry of God's team, the heart's cry of God's team is John 3.30. He must become greater. I must become less. That's the heart's cry of God's team. Turn to your neighbor and say, he must become greater. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I must become less. See, if it's about we, I don't need to be the star of the show. I don't, I don't need to get my way. I don't need to be served. See, there's a pride that comes with me, but there's a humility 
that comes with we. The same humility that Jesus had. The same humility it talks about in Philippians chapter 2 where, where Jesus, even though equal with God, became nothing, made himself nothing. Humbled and obeyed God completely, even to the death on a cross. And that same humility causes us as God's team to choose towels over titles. Amen? God's team doesn't care about climbing ladders, but it becomes about washing feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What do you think? Can we do that? Can we, can we be one in purpose and language? Can we do that? Can we be about we instead of me? Something that I love about being a part of sports teams specifically is one thing that, that we do before, before the team goes onto the field, the court, before they go into battle, they do a little huddle. And in that huddle, they do a war cry. Don't they? Right? They're like, one, two, three, let's kill them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there's, there's a war cry. I know, I know our churches, I know there's a lot of people here. I wonder if we could do a huddle and a war cry. I don't know. What do you think? This is what I have in mind. When we were in, 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 in my basketball team in high school, we'd, st we'd, we'd start it this way. We'd start going like this. And, and then, and then we come in unity. Okay, okay, you know what? You're kind of stealing my thunder right now. Can you just? Maybe, maybe like, let's, let's get instruction, and then you'll know exactly what you're supposed to do. No, but that's exactly, you guys did it right. So you start kind of, we start clapping all different. Then we start clapping together. And then we just start yelling. We just start shouting. We're like, ah! Like Braveheart. You guys know Braveheart? It's just like, freedom! You know, it's just like yelling. And then, after that, we would just, we'd say, lions! But I think our war cry has got to be the name that's above every name. Amen? That's the head of the church. Amen? The name that makes demons run and hide. And if anyone is not sure, I'm talking about Jesus. And so, can we do, do you think we can do that? Do you think we can have a huddle? Some of you are like, oh man, this is weird. That's okay. But I want to start, I want to start our ministry. See, I want to start, God has got some amazing things to do this year, amen? And, and it's okay for us to get excited about it. So come on, let's come forward. We're going to come right here in the middle. Everyone stand up. If you feel comfortable, 
just get over here. If you feel comfortable, come on over. You don't have to, but, but if you're on board with team, if you're on board with what we're doing here, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's get nice and tight. We've got to move chairs. That's okay. We get nice and tight, nice and cuddly. This is my wife, by the way. <laughs> okay, nice and tight. Come on in, everybody. <laughs> Come on in. Nice and tight, nice and tight. That's good. Tighter, tighter. If you got to come through the aisles, move chairs, doesn't matter. Let's get tighter. Okay, are you guys ready? You guys ready for this? You going to help me? Okay, all different times. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was better than I thought it was going to go. So listen, we've got a food truck for lunch. I'm going to pray right now real quick, and then we're going to be dismissed. Um, Our prayer team, though, is still going to be standing by here if you need prayer after service. Please come for lunch. Come come fellowship and connect. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this team. We love you, Lord. And God, we just uh, ask that you continue just to be with us today. And bless this food and bless our our fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless.